Well, so SJ joined us. You were in China, and now you're back in Georgia, it sounds like. How are, how are you been doing? Been doing well, thanks. Yeah, nice to, to see everybody here and to, to share. Um, we get a chance to talk to you guys. Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy time. I mean, one thing about that that's interesting is how this kind of a delayed, um, this delayed hit into the Western world. Um, I think there's a lot to unpack and ex try to understand why that why that was the case or why that is the case. But, you know, this hit in China um, late January. And yeah, I remember I was I went with the people that I worked with. And I mean, it was literally a night and day thing. One one evening, no one was talking about this. The next morning, it was sort of a panic there. And all of the masks and things were already out almost instantly. I was living in Guangdong province, which is in southern China. Um, and Wuhan was the, 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 that province, Hubei was quarantined, um, and then Guangdong raised their threat level to the highest level almost instantly. And so I saw the writing on the wall and was just like, shit, I don't think I want to be in a quarantine, you know, a lockdown situation here in China. Um, so yeah, so I split the Republic of Georgia. It's a pretty free place, kind of a second world country, great visa policy, but you know, I don't know where you guys are. Where, where, I want to enter this stream. I mean, I can talk about any aspect of this. I have ideas about it all. Is there something that you were kind of interested in? Pers I, I jumped in here. I just heard someone talking about uh, global currency. Was that is? Are you guys are you guys addressing it for more like scenarios for the future sort of sort of thing, or or what are you guys up to? <laughs> <laughs> We've been all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> we started out really not very uh, conspiratorial, and and then we got more conspiratorial as we went along. Yeah, Alan's yeah. trying to look at the positives, and I'm trying to feed into the chaos and uh, the panic. And just to say, the only reason I'm looking for, po I mean, well, I I experienced well, the the crushing reality. You know, and uh, I have not like uh, just you cut honest. out for a sec, Alan. What was the crushing reality? Yeah, I thought, I thought they did all. Well, I think I think the, day, right the night that I got the call that my job was done, that like they were closing my bar. Can I this... ask a question real fast? Yeah. So d does your do they own that bar or are they so like that's the thing that I'm curious about. The, so y they closed down. They laid all their people off. Do they own it? Do is there a chance they will lose the bar? Um, well, okay, they do own. Uh, if I understand it correctly, it's, there's sort of two owners. Uh, this is so specific, but the short answer is that one of the owners owns the building. I don't think he's in danger of losing the building. The downside here is that they took all the money like it's a very successful bar but they took a bunch of money out of it to open they're supposed to be opening a brand new huge space like they basically are like okay this is really successful we're going to open a second location and they have invested a ton of money into this thing that's supposed to be opening next month oh and that's that's i think where the crisis comes in for my for my business particularly is that, well, now this thing that was like, all right, we're putting ourselves in debt. We just got to wait. We just got to make it till April and this new place opens and like we got more income coming in and everything will balance back out because summer 
summer is our busy season where uh, my bar has a roof. So the place I worked had three floors, the third floor being the rooftop. That's been closed all winter. So our first day uh, really of having the roof open was supposed to be like St. Patrick's Day. We were closed. You know, it's like we are our busy season is demolished. This second location is not going to get to open for who knows when. Um, so I think they're definitely, uh, you know, they're stressed, probably stressing more than they would have in, in another year. Um, that's the only, that's, that's as much information as I have about their financial situation. Uh, but, but for me, again, it's just on a personal level, uh, the, my busy season, it was the summer. And then it was a question of, do I leave in the winter time and find another job or do I work on another floor in that restaurant? Uh, like I said, they have three different bars on three different floors. The other ones are not as busy. It's the rooftop is the main attraction. So it was like, do I find another job for the winter and come back for the summer? Or do I stick it out there? And I ultimately decided to stick it out there because it was okay money. And, you know, they just cut their staff down really a lot in the winter. And I was making okay money, not great. And I was just like, I just have to make it through the winter and come spring, I'll have my finances will come back. So it was this like uh, scrolling away for the winter. And literally the week that should be the start of my season was the week that we closed. So there was this really scary financial aspect for me of like, oh, I'm starting with little waiting for the the the, the, the start of things and the start is not happening this year and that puts me in a really scary scary situation um so i think that the crushing reality for me was a financial anxiety as well as the all the political fears and um the, the 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 panic that is contagious that is the fear that's being pushed on us at all moments um i felt that in a very visceral way i guess so just to say joe i think in my own mind i'm not thinking all positive thoughts but i'm really trying to pull myself out of that spiral so no i totally feel you bro and uh yeah i'm sorry to hear that ironically uh being that you know, we said you were being positive and I was being negative, but I think we might be the only two guys on this call that lost our jobs. Cause I, uh, you know, our basketball and the whole world shut down and our league, uh, shut down like two days after the NBA. So, uh, and that's not like a temporary thing, like it's over. So, um, yeah. So then are you actually laid off Joe? Like you, I, the, the NBA guys that have a contract, I would guess that they still, get paid but yeah uh anybody that was under contract only for this season their contract is over so if you had a multi-year one then it's some of them are still in place but most guys in europe sign one-year deals every season so yeah everybody basically just went home and that was it so but you're gonna stay there or you just can't leave Oh, I can leave, but I mean, I live here. I've been in Israel for a number of years now, so this is my home, and I, yeah, I'll stay here. But, uh, but yeah, Alan, uh, 
yeah, trust me, I've been spending so much time reading all the dark conspiracy garbage on the internet. Some of it's interesting and tantalizing and some of it's actually educational and grounded and makes sense. But I've definitely had to do my share of trying to look at all the positives of this. And to be honest, even though I was saying, you know, some, some dark stuff in this conversation, I, I believe that on a personal level, there's so much opportunity here for positive growth. And I think that ties in also to what we were saying about like the powers that be trying to have influence over us and the capacity for creativity in the face of crisis and conflict, which is that that's just what chaos provides you in terms of opportunity is that you have the the chance to make changes and to be creative. And even if on a global scale, there are nefarious entities like trying to consolidate power and and shift society in in bad ways, it's like you still have infinite capacity on your own to make those changes. And and it might only be in a crazy global crisis like this, that you really have um, the best chance to maximize that on a personal level. I definitely feel that in my own life right now. Like, I feel like there's a lot of negative going on here, but this is really the only chance that I could like spread my wings individually to make all the changes that I really have wanted to make for so long. So I don't know if you feel the same way. It sounds like you kind of do in a little bit. Cause I mean, at least walking away from your job or being forced to is like freeing in a sense. And there's a lot of other freeing things here too. So I don't know. You know if I can be, yeah. if I can be real, I mean, I, so my first thought, you know, earlier in this situation was like, oh, that'd be great. You know, I I will have time to work on artwork and I'll, and, and you know, like I, I love being home. I like the place that I live now. I really love being here. And, you know, I was like, hey, if this is just for a few weeks and I get to fucking just sit home and work on artwork, I'll be in fucking heaven for a few weeks. And that wasn't what happened. Like the the situation, the way in which it happened, like immediately kicked my anxiety into overdrive. <laughs> and I haven't been able to enjoy a you know a minute of it. And I was like, I had just finished this video. You know, I did the third episode out of a what I planned as a five episode series. And I was like, oh, I know exactly how to like this the situation gives me a sort of framing device that I hadn't planned on for the fourth episode. And I really see how I could address that and write that script. And I sat down to write it like, you know, the first or second night of my quarantine. And I'm like, I really had the thought. And I was like, if I'm going to fucking die in a few weeks, this is not how I want to spend the last few weeks of my life is writing this fucking YouTube video that no one's going to care about. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I should go do something else. But I haven't figured out what the something else is. <laughs> so last night I went back to working on that video. <laughs> Alan, you were talking with uh, David about... Uh... For just a few minutes, the power went out, and then and then your anxiety really spiked. Were were you feeling at that point that uh, like the internet was going to be cut off as well, or? Um... Uh, all right, yeah. So if, uh, okay, here's the thing. My my lady didn't think it was particularly anything to worry about, but I really thought it was weird. So our power went out. I didn't know this. She immediately put something on her personal Facebook page. That said, like, hey, our power just went out. Everyone, anyone else experiencing that? Or everyone okay? And I didn't know she did that. And then after, you know, 
10 minutes or something of having no power and like immediate like it was forgetting the immediacy of it once power was back on and things settle i noticed that she put that up had like put that up 27 minutes earlier or something and not a single person responded and i was like that's weird everyone's fucking home everyone like it's not like people are busy and i would think in a situation like this that that would be that would elicit some sort of response i don't mean like a getting lots of likes or something. I just mean, like, that's the sort of thing that I think would elicit some reaction out of people. Either people going, oh, my God, I'm I'm not experiencing that, but I'm so sorry. Or, hey, I also live here and I'm fine. Or whatever. Something. So nothing happens. Uh, she never got a single comment or anything on that thing. So, like, a half hour passes, and I'm like, all right, got a curiosity. I put something on my own personal page. And... I did get like, oh, ultimately, you know, some people responded or whatever, but there was this weird lag where for like two hours, I was kind of monitoring my mine and her Facebook posts because it was adding to my paranoia of like, how come no one sees this? Like, I'm literally saying, hey, we're without power. And you're telling me that no one in of, of our, you know, hundreds of Facebook people see this thing. I know that's such a weird metric to go by, but mm. like it, it, it did feed my paranoia in the sense of like, I would expect that somebody would say something. Somebody would be like, "Do you think that the, Do you think that the Facebook algorithm was still, uh, you know, was fair sure. to believe?" Sure. So to speak? I think it's, I think it's still fucked up. But um, yeah, I mean, so just to say, like, that didn't help my paranoia. I know that's such a weird thing to measure but like it was my only connection with the outside world right it's like hey world this is where i'm at anyone else there and that radio silence on both of our facebook pages freaked me out and she was like oh you're totally overthinking it and i'm like i don't know this really worries me um would so so that's a it's a good kind of thought experiment to try is that how what would happen if the internet was gone, you know? <laughs> right. Well, that's, so I literally, I spent the next, like, I rethought, and without going into too much detail, I rethought a lot of, like, what this is going to mean for me. And, like, we made certain preparations, um, you know, to, hey, if there was a situation where our power was out and there was no internet and, you know, let's just call it what I'm what I'm thinking, you know, some sort of like weird military or, you know, Nazi coup <laughs> was what I was imagining in that moment. Um, yeah, you know, like, OK, like what, what how how am I defending myself from that situation? Um, and. Well, I'm just going to put it out there. I was really fucking high um, when it happened. <laughs> And it, that didn't help at all. But, I mean, that was the other thing I realized is, um, you know, taking edibles in a, uh, in a uh, I don't know, um, a, scary, a scary situation is not, maybe not the smart move either. I was like, oh, I'm just going to not think about shit. I'm just going to have, you know, I'm just going to kind of like not. And I was like, oh, there's no pattern. Suddenly it became very serious and... Um, I don't know. So th these are, again, these are the, the paranoid thoughts of a really high paranoid, anxious person. Um, 
but it has forced me to deal with some of those thoughts, uh, both from a practical stance of like, okay, I do think there should be preparation. Exactly. If I have no internet, I have no power. We're on our own. What do I, what do I need? Are we staying here? Are we moving location? All the different things that go into that. Um, Toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I, I, uh, yeah. Well, it's... I'll expose I'll expose my level Fr- from that. I think last night was the first night I didn't walk around with a knife in my pocket. And that was just from this like overwhelming sense of like I need to like have something on me right now if there's someone comes through this door right now <laughs> you know like what's happening um and that's really, really interesting for me is to realize like in that moment i wasn't thinking of like it was so so like um small scale you know of like there's uh, Again, being super high, no power, and hearing lots of helicopters over your head. <laughs> you know, it's a recipe for, for paranoia. So <laughs> uh, I felt it pretty hard. Um, well, I just want to say here about the just that this might be useful to throw in here, Alan, because I do think there are some tangible things to be you know paranoid about. And the Chinese model of something that might be quite useful to at least at the possible vision for things that might be coming in larger American cities. But, you know, the Chinese have been forced to download an app on WeChat, which is the main social media service and messaging service in China. Everybody has it. It's kind of like their Google or Facebook or something like this. And you have to have this app. And anytime you enter in, you leave your apartment or enter into a business, you scan. And then that app either will issue a green or a red, and it's kind of convoluted or um, it's uncertain how they're determining that. The official story is that they decide where you've been and if you've been exposed to the, the virus but, um, in the course of your movements. And um, then you get a red and then you're forced to quarantine. Um, the fear is that, that this can be used for nefarious uh, purposes because you just you know, tell the, the machine to, to do um, a red signal for a dissident, for example, or for someone who's, you know, has bad social credit, quote unquote. And um, the other thing that's happening is temperature checks everywhere. And so there's a kind of a biometric component to, to the technology that may be being put into place eventually in America. I'm guessing something would, like this might be likely. Um, and so for me, that's kind of where my paranoia goes. It's like, shit, I mean, what if, you know, I'm 37.3 on my temperature and then do I then the guards just come and take me away because they heard me you know they're listening right now and I'm you know don't support the official narrative you know um, and so I guess what I'm saying is I think the technology is essential to whatever may be coming in I, I see this going more technologically kind of dystopian rather than um, something where we're in the wilderness um, so you know uh, it, th- thankfully it's not here yet in, in where I am but that's kind of what, what I'm nervous about. What do you guys know about the hospital that collapsed? In Wuhan? Yeah. Wasn't it like a, it a, quarantine. a quarantine hospital and it collapsed? I mean, yeah, so I, that... I, yeah, I heard about that. Because that, that's one that throws up red flags. Like, 
Really? Really? Well, I don't know. What, so just to say, even as a like a that doesn't that's not a red flag for me because one of the things China was praised for was how they like quickly mass produced all this and like, hey, you built a hospital in five fucking minutes to house all these people. That oh, doesn't that come was with... five minute hospital. Yeah, I don't know that it was one of the five minute ones, <laughs> but I'm saying I'm sure the spaces that they were using were not. Uh, you know, it's it's you make do with what you had in that moment. The fact that something collapsed doesn't really. Uh, you you're Jug, you're you're paranoid or your red flag is thinking like they were trying to get rid of those people specifically. What happened? Yeah, was that there was people that were under quarantine, preventative quarantine to monitor health, and so they they weren't necessarily. It wasn't like a hospital. It was just like you know, okay, you need to come with me right now because we think you're a threat for this virus. And I guess that's that's what I see as a red flag is maybe these were people that were um, critics of the CCP or, you know, whatever. You put them in this thing and you pull it um, to get rid uh, of the them. quarantine gulag. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing, I don't know if you guys talked about this, but this is really where I'm at with this thing today is like the fact that the testing seems to be inadequate to identify something that's actually real. Um, and. That to me just seems to be a and I, and you know that's a debate. I'm not even saying I, I but I mean there's mainstream articles all over the place saying that these tests are giving false positives and I'm seeing this as more of like a coding issue. So governments are going to choose to code whatever the tests say differently. That is to say, what it, when is it positive and when does it go into the numbers? Yeah, and you guys have seen that counter, right? The big evil black and red number counter. It's like perfect mm. to make every, every you know to increase panic. But I mean, that's, I think, the issue is like, even if, if it doesn't even matter what's real, if, if there's a, a virus or not, it's like the narrative is all that matters at this point. What is be, what Drudge says, what CNN says, and when they decide to relent and say it's better, then it's better. I mean, and, and so that's, that's kind of where, we've be, where, where, it's, where it's gotten, is that we've got a narrative that's driving everything. And that's what happened in China. I mean, Xi basically said, all right, it's over because they wanted to restart the economy. And as soon as he made that speech, every day the numbers went down from there. Until now, they're claiming you know no, you know, no cases, and except for foreigners. That's the, those are the cases in China now. And really? there's, a, there's a bad thing about against foreigners right now. That's why I'm not going back be, for now, because you know, foreigners are really getting quarantined, police waiting for you at the airport, you know, um, people not pulling you off buses. These are guys that have been in China the whole time. But they're Western, and so it's it's being so. Any, you know, my main point here is just that it seems like there's a disconnect between reality and what's happening with the response and what the official narrative is, and that's to me very very interesting. You yeah. know, one other interesting aspect of the narrative's connection to this is that because the turmoil that we're caught in is a communicable virus, I think a lot of people that otherwise wouldn't be able to make the connection are making the connection between like, what is the real virus here, right? Like, is it COVID or is it the media and the narrative? And in past like catastrophes, the line isn't so obvious, but because even the word virus like could so easily apply to like an unseen narrative that's communicable and spreading, which is kind of like what 
uh, even a lay person could attribute to what the media does if they're spreading lies and, and a destructive narrative. And it, it's like just a very one two easy connection, like, oh, we're amid this horrible virus. And it's like, wait, the media is spreading lies. It's like, that's kind of like a virus, isn't it? OK, what's the real virus and what's really causing the most problems here? Is it is it coronavirus or is it the media virus? You know, uh, what I, is terrorism is the spreading of of Fear. Perfect. Fear is the mind killer, right? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Well, and, and the war on Terra, remember when that came out and everybody was saying it's like a metaphor for war on the Earth, war on Terra? This is now taking it to another level where it's war on the, on the human. It's like a war against human beings now because it lives inside of our bodies and anybody can have it. And so I don't know if you know this guy, Agamben. He's an Italian philosopher. He's Nora. Yeah. He's been, he wrote this a couple of essays in this uh, journal and um, I'm not sure which journal but you can find the translation online I can I'll post a link here in a second and he's just basically said listen this is like state power it's stripped down uh, mm. and they're going to use this to kind of exploit uh, our and it he's got an idiom of very advanced academic lingo and I, I'm not going to attempt to go into that but um, it, but he basically said it's a it's a civil war and it's a, like a mind virus like it's like you were just saying and yeah it's terrifying man that's that's like the worst part of this is that it's everywhere it's all at once it's unseen and there's right. no way to know if you're even positive or not because if you take the test it could be false positives yeah and now i see these these like drive-through centers like come get your test i imagine couples say hey honey should we just go get tested to flatten the curve okay let's go you know and then you drive through you oh, we could be asymptomatic hon and then you're all of a sudden you're triggered positive then you're getting antivirals which destroy your your organs and you're intubated you know so i think there's a real risk here of getting caught up in this uh, for people and i'm you know so anyhow, i'll find this link i'll throw it in here and you guys can read it that sounds good what's what's the situation in georgia is it uh so Georgia's like, I don't know if you've seen the narratives about Russia, like there's articles yesterday and today, like why is Russia succeeding when the yeah. West isn't? Georgia has been caught up in that. And like I just saw an article from the Georgian website, it's like, why is Georgia having success? I mean, there's basically like 13, right now there's 40, 54 official cases here, but it hasn't been an exponential curve. Georgia just kind of follows Europe. So they locked down basically, I think yesterday was official and, you know, 10 or less. It's not like the hard lockdowns, but it's like 10 or less in public and essential businesses can stay open so you can still walk around and everything. Um, but it's calm. I mean, I'm in a small town, 120,000, so it's not like a big city. And um, again, I think it's like a, th a second world kind of thing. So there's little, gro there's little grocers all over the place with fresh fruit and vegetables and you know, I don't think this is equipped to have a hard te techno lockdown like a lot of places. And that, for me, it feels, I, I like that. I don't want to be in a place where all of a sudden you have the best technology and, you know, I'm taking a temperature check and then, you know, someone, a national guard says, yeah. come with me, sir, come with me, you know, because they yeah, have the data on all of us already, right? I mean, I, they know my beliefs and I, and I don't think I'm, and that's where my paranoia goes, so, you know, it's like, shit, they know what I think and now I've got to, I've got to give them like consent to go buy a fucking can of milk. That's not, that doesn't seem, or they've got to give me their consent for me to let me go buy, you know, a can of milk. But, um, no, George is pretty tame. Yeah, I was just saying before, Japan's, Japan's similar. Like, it, it, nobody knows what's going on in Japan, but people are just 
taking it as if it's passed already. You know, like it, there wasn't a there wasn't a crackdown at any point. They shut down the schools and the, they uh, advised people not to go to like they shut down sporting events and different uh, public gatherings, but and advised people not to uh, to 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 gather to have their own social distancing. But there was no crackdown. What about restaurants um, and bars, Nor? Did they close all those? No, it's still that all that stuff was open, you know. Like, uh, and I I went out just last weekend. There's tons of people around. Like, now it's um it's cherry blossom season. So this week there'll be, even though the government said no, it's not a good idea to 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 have hanami to have uh, cherry blossom picnics. Basically, people are people are already starting to do it. Like all over the place, you know. So. The the question here is if if uh, if it's going to hit Japan in the in the very near future, like if there's going to be an explosion of cases here in Japan. Uh, so far, the government hasn't uh, tested that vigorously at all. You know, um, but Japan has so, a history of not and not kind of going lockstep with the medical industrial complex complex. Let's call it. Right. I mean, they pretty much said we're going to do our own thing in terms of what we think is the health of our population. And they have a lot of um, less restrictive like vaccine policy, for example, I believe. Right. So that it's interesting that it, when we were talking earlier, you were saying someone about um, what's this for? And I think that that kind of medicalization and the control of, um, of, of society, if people want to medicalize and have authoritarian medicalization, you would want this crisis to be more severe. And because Japan doesn't have that motivation, it seems it's it. That's actually interesting. I wish I was there. <laughs> you know, I could. You could go well, it, it's it's still up in the air what's going to happen here. Like it's again, it could it, it could explode. Like there there hasn't been. I don't know. There hasn't been the measures taken to. If there's a virus, like I'm sure there is, you know, but to, but. Uh, if it's widespread in Japan, which it definitely should be and would be, um, because the uh, a number of a huge number of uh, Chinese travelers were here in Chinese New Year since Chinese New Year, and then they've they've left flights come in from Europe and everywhere else. Uh, so you'd think it would hit here, but it, it hasn't yet, you know. It's been there longer, and it's they flatten the curve almost instantly, right? So I think it would be kind they, of a second wave that you're talking they, about. The first they wave haven't they they haven't flattened the curve. Like that's the thing. Like it 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 wasn't. You have you have places like Taiwan and Singapore, um, Hong Kong maybe where they have flattened the curve. Um, but if you look at the the graphs, it's always those countries. You see them on the graph, and it's basically they're going towards horizontal. And then you have these other countries like it, like um, Italy, Iran, all the European countries again, like almost vertical. And then J Japan's in there somewhere doing its own thing, like just uh, almost just like a forty-five degree line, um, just a few cases every day. So it's it's not it's its own case, you know. It's it's uh, like there's been a, a whole bunch of articles just recently in the last few days of trying to figure out what's going on here um, and so the talk is like maybe it's because of Japanese culture just just naturally like people a lot of people wearing masks now because it's uh, uh, pollen allergy season uh, 
people not uh, not hugging and shaking hands and, and things like that, and people not wearing their shoes in the house. But but in the meantime, you have like in in Tokyo, packed subways constantly. You know, like it, <laughs> I so I I just don't. It's really uh, kind of perplexing, you know, to to um, to find out what's going on here. Like, you, there's it's hard to know what to do here. Like, if it's if it's uh, if it's safe to go out, if it's not safe, uh, like, nobody seems to be that concerned about it, though. Yeah. Well, I just say. Well, so then, how are you comporting yourself? Uh, well, I'm off anyways. Uh, my daughter's off school, um, but we live very close to the sea and up in the hills, so we just go out. Like, we don't go to, we don't take the trains or uh, go to restaurants or anything like that, but we basically have freedom of movement to go anywhere around around our, our, our town. It's beautiful just to go down to the beach or up in the hills, you know, so it hasn't really restricted us that much at all. Um, the shops, uh, aside from toilet paper, the shops are all full. You can find whatever you want. Um, there's so no other restrictions. So on the map that I see, it says there's 1,700 plus cases, but it's not in Japan. It's like out to sea. What? What is? What well, is no, that? no, uh, no. That's that's in that's the entire cases, including the Diamond Princess, right? Which was a cruise ship, which had about 700 cases. Um, so Japan is over a thousand cases outside, like, uh, aside from that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's about a thousand cases in, inside of Japan. Hmm. That's um, but strange. The, well, the, the policy of the government is, is only to test people who are already having severe, uh, symptoms. So that's the thing. When you look at that big board of all these different countries, their their numbers, they're all testing in different ways. So the numbers, the numbers aren't the same. You know, they don't represent the same the same things. You know, they're not testing in the same way. Um, so it's it's hard to compare. The only way you can really compare is if you look at them daily over a long period of time and just see the the sort of patterns. Even then, it might might not even be possible because. You know, it's almost like just mapping chaos. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Like you're saying about false positives, and we were talking about that before. Is that uh, you look at Germany's numbers, and it's they're high, but the number of deaths are really relatively low, and the severe cases are low. Um, so, so they're thinking that maybe there's a lot of false positives that are coming up in Germany for some reason. But there are also false negatives, right? There's false negatives in these in these tests too. So, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm reading. It's like, and different governments have different policies. So, like China initially was, if you get any positive, then you're you, we consider that you a positive. And I think with the samples they take, they they'll test them two or three times. Yeah, they're also they're they're also doing a lot of uh, CT scanning in in China too, like people's yes. lungs, which doesn't give you. It's not definite, but it it's it end it ends up being almost as accurate or more accurate. But but yeah, so but other countries are saying, well, we want to have two out of five tests are positive or four out of five, and so you don't have this um, 
cohesion and this 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 matching to be able to compare i think that's a really good point yeah yeah and and, so it, the, and it allows narrative writers to just step in and it's almost like the government can choose to either make it so there's more cases and more of a threat and more panic or less yeah that's, that's uh, go ahead I, sorry um yeah i've been saying that to a friend of mine who's who's gauging his um analysis of what's going on on the media's response to it right and so he he's saying because the media is pushing a panic narrative then obviously it's bullshit you know and i think a lot of people are doing that and on the other hand of that is like the media is pushing panic we should panic right but i, I think both of those are wrong you just have to just have to look at the numbers and even if they're fucked up at least you can start to see patterns in them you know um that's the only thing we have to go on the other thing we have to go on, and, and I think is what at least what I'm going on, is just like putting the COVID narrative completely out of the picture and just look at things like the stock market. So it just I just noticed on this since I joined this call, it, it's now limit down the futures, which isn't a good sign. I mean, that tells you yeah. something's happening. Set aside everything else. I mean, the stock market's had a record crash. It's not yeah, good. yeah, yeah, that's right. That's Terrible. right. The other thing that I'm looking at is like, what are governments enforcing on the population? So you can't go outside. Okay, that's terrible. That's real. That's real. And like the virus might not be real, but that stuff is real. And, and so my analysis is all is more about like, how am I responding to those, those policy changes as they change in a dynamic way? And what am I doing to protect myself in that sense? You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Go to, you got yeah. to look at stuff like uh, border closings too, you know, like the, um, like they say, it's picking up in China again. You know, like they've they've sort of they've got it under control, but still the the Chinese Russia border is shut down. You know, the Chinese North Korean border is still shut down. Like obviously, and both of those countries have really close relationships with 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 China. You know, so it it's like until that opens up, you know, <laughs> you you wonder if it's like uh, something's something's still going on. You know, obviously. Does anyone want to address the uh, potential factors for, like, the CEOs stepping down and stuff like that? I can say, I mean, I don't find it too um, concerning just because I think if you if this is just a big financial scam, which is I also think is a big part of this. This is just like these guys running their scam, making billions, just like they did in the financial crisis. It's like these guys got out before they had to face any of the anger. And so their scam is done. They're now in their island. And so I think it could just be from a financial perspective, like they don't have to deal with the blowback and building the company back up and government takeovers of the corporation and angry shareholders. So, you know, that's that's how I see it now. Now I'm open to some kind of, I don't know. I, but the, the implication of that is that there's foreknowledge, right? Oh, foreknowledge. I'm, I'm almost certain there's foreknowledge. I mean, event 201, I see as just an announcement to people in the know that this is going to happen. I, I, I mean, I, I, and you can read the Rockefeller paper from 2010. Have you guys read that? It's amazing. It just describes exactly what's yeah, happening. Right now. And so yeah. I think there's foreknowledge, Alan, but I, um, for sure. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the foreknowledge camp. <laughs> Um, if, you, it, if you, if you, if oh, you, sorry, keep, yeah, just saying that to me, it could just be about like a financial scam and like increasing government control, uh, as opposed to like, um, I don't know, they're going to slaughter, uh, 80% of the population to match the Georgia Guidestones. Like I'm not quite there yet. 
I don't think that's this and that they're in their bunkers where they're going to be for two years, you know. Um, it, so it's kind of it's more for me of just like a financial scam that they've run. Um, I'm hoping my fingers are crossed for that <laughs> because, you know, if this is the great culling, I, I don't think any of us are, uh, you know, it's like, see you got later, guys. It's been nice knowing you, you know, I'm not considering that yet. I'm not ready to go there mentally. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yeah, we we've talked about this before on this call, but it, it's um, I'm not even sure how much control they have about the the financial situation. Like it's still so much in, up in the air right now. You know, like a, um, like if they wanted to do something, they, they with, with the financial situation, they could have done it in 2008, and they and they didn't. And and so what it looks like happened in 2008 is is the financial system almost did collapse and they only prevented it from happening by bailing it out to billions and billions of dollars. Right. So, so I think they're trying to, the, the exact same thing now with it and who knows how much leverage even the central banks have with this, you know? Right. Cause assuming, assuming that they're trying to save it, so you, you have this there's a few thoughts on like even this like you want to go into the conspiracy realm <coughs> excuse me either they're trying to crash their own system or they're trying to save their system <coughs> and then you think about like well trying to save their system they could pump a ton of money into it cause some sort of hyperinflation and then essentially end up crashing their own thing in the in the long run anyway or if they're intentionally crashing their system like I know some of my Q guy who was telling me, I was like, oh, uh, you know, this is intentionally being done to crash the system and bring back the gold standard. And I'm like, gold standard? Man, like, that's like, that's some whole other level. Like, we we were having that conversation, what, 15 years ago. I don't, I don't feel like that's, I just don't feel like that's where this has gone. Right. Um, that's, that's a, that's a hopeful Oh, you know, seeing all these guys, I'm like, oh, they're gonna round up all the, the criminals and all this sort of shit, and they're gonna. This is some utopia coming out of this. Honestly, it's like those people are the thing that's scaring the most in this. It's and like I, seeing, just to say, seeing seeing what people are hoping for, is what exposes their intentions to me and then suddenly i'm like really worried i'm like oh if you're concerned with like holy shit how do we help the most people oh is it socialism do we need fucking bernie sanders do we need this do we need even if you're some anarcho capitalist who thinks that's how you're going to help people at least you're trying to help people but when you're saying hey i really hope that this is all going according to plan like trump and q tell me and that their plan is to like fake a fucking crisis to snatch up people that disagree with them in the night and that's sounds good to you like that <laughs> that that's what terrifies me the q thing i'm totally not on board with ellen by the way i just it, it makes me want to puke i mean i just <laughs> i can't believe these these guys it's, the storm is coming and it's always coming it's always yeah, yeah. coming you know and the government so will take deferred. it yeah, it's always deferred. It's the carrot. It's the carrot that's always there. Yeah, it's, uh, so Zanor, you mentioned you commented on my. Sorry, I uh, just want to uh, bring up one note. Zanor, you brought up uh, Fulford, and mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about him until this happened. 
and seeing these Q posts and seeing some of the paranoia around this experience. And I was like, oh, shit. Remember fucking Ben Fulford and all those guys and saying, oh, they're going to the secret uh, Yakuza going to round up all the Rockefellers and like whatever happened to that fucking guy. I bet you he's still making money somehow. I saw Cliff mm-hmm. High just put out another video. Cliff High's on some new shit. Okay, none of my predictions came true for 20 years, but now I'll sell you some new fucking line of garbage. <laughs> but now I can recycle it and say, oh, they did come true. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they were just off. Yeah. Yeah, I met, got, I'm, he's I'm got a new video, by the way, just quickly to say, yeah. Alan, he's got a new video, and he's saying the Q thing, that this is it, this is the, lot, this is the storm has now come, and um, so you can find that online. He's, so he's Fulford's, his, Fulford's uh, signed on to the Q. Uh, no, no, he's got his own. He's got his own thing, right? Like it's not. He's not. Uh, it's similar to the Q thing, right? Like, but he, I don't think he. He doesn't believe that Trump is the uh, the savior. Like he, he's not. He's not taking it from that angle. He's saying he's still on the the idea that there's a the uh, the secret order of ninjas is going to take down the Illuminati, that kind of idea, you know? Like, um, <laughs> it's so, so it's, fucking dumb! <laughs> <I hate it. laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but I met, I met him on, what, at uh, this 9-11 conference in Tokyo, like, years ago. Wow. Um, and at that time, he was... It was kind of making sense, you know. Like he was just—he oh, he was just off very sensible. Yeah. He was—he was poking holes in the official story, and so he—he he made a a big speech about that. And it was kind of like more out there than even regular conspiracy theorists. But he was—he can—he can speak fluent Japanese, and he was like—he had a lot of people uh, supporting what he was saying. And uh, so we met him afterwards. He ended up being a nice guy. Um, but then he started getting more and more whacked about what's going on. Um. Yeah, my brother went and interviewed him in Japan in about 2008. Um, that was about the same time I saw him. That's right when he emerged. And um, he, my brother just called him. He was there because he works for a tattoo, art, a tattoo artist that would, was working out of Osaka. And they went there to tattoo out of their Osaka shop. And my brother just messaged him and said, hey, let me interview you. And he let him bring a little camera, and and there was a sit down interview that he did, and he said, and he said he was he had um, prostitutes were always were coming to visit him, like he was really into to prostitutes. Oh really? <laughs> so <laughs> and he was living out of a big hotel, like a real nice hotel. Hey man, if you got the fucking money and you're that if you're that paranoid, fucking get it in while you can. Go ahead. I, I that I'm not gonna fault him for that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a way to cut down your stress, I suppose. Yeah. I would love to imagine him venting all of his ideas onto his prostitutes. <laughs> Them just freaking the hell out. <laughs> um, we were talking before about uh, like the financial situation. It, I, I just see a lot of people profit taking right now. You know, like that. It's just like a. Prices are going down, and so and they and and probably they have some foreknowledge, like we're saying, and they they just are taking what they can, you know. It's and that seems to be how the economic system works. Is that it's just short term greed all the time, you know. Um, I the more I looked at it, I look at it. I've been looking at this for for years and years now, like like decades, I guess, you know. Like uh, there doesn't. 
where is this this Illuminati or the secret group that has it all planned? You know, outside of of these hyper rich people who just take what they can get when they can get it. You know, like why are these CEOs um, stepping down right now? And it's just, it, of course they are. You know, they know that the shit's going to hit the fan, and they can just take the money and run. You know, like a uh, um, and it. it I don't know if there's any other plan beyond that, you know? Yeah, well, the way that you're describing them in this snatch-and-grab scenario of trying to get out with their winnings, I actually think of, like, the global financial elite in terms of being a, a transient group in that the global financial elite is not a group of individual people. It's, a, it's an entity, and... You know, it's like uh, it's a demon, a mindset, a set of motivations and a set of behaviors that any person would enter into once they assume a certain level of wealth and influence and paranoia. Sure, and sure, things. sure. And once they get there, they all tend to be- behave similarly and just as similarly as they get in and experience it and exercise power. They also similarly leave. But it's it's transient is the point. So. Like, where is this group? Who are the people? What are the names? Who are we arresting? Who is Benjamin Fulford chasing? It's like, you are just chasing the same tendencies and capabilities that you have, that you would probably do if you were in the position of these super rich people. I mean, we, yeah. can, start with, we can start with what Alan was saying. Or we can start with paranoia. I mean, every paranoia is a universal experience. And maybe... We don't have the same type of sympathy, but I'm sure we can all imagine what it would be like, what level of paranoia you would experience if you had a couple of billion dollars. And I mean, it's not something to take lightly. I mean, we could think that all, all your problems evaporate once you achieve some, some level of financial success. But I would imagine that uh, a lot of the same uh, a lot of the same carnal you know, motivations that anybody has, you just have them at a much higher level once you get there. And, and that's yeah, what exactly. the Illuminati is. It's just, it's just the dark tendencies that we all have. It just happens to be at, at this moment inhabiting that group of people and, and it's transient. So once those CEOs leave and they get their money in their snatch and grab a new group of people move in to replace them. And it's as simple as the new CEOs that are replacing them. So yeah, it's like, exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a system basically that, that, that we're fighting, you know, it's, a, uh, it's not a matter of an, an elite group of people, uh, more and more, I think, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, just, there's a, there's a huge lineup of people waiting to take their place afterwards. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a hierarchy of people, you know, um, just to push back a little bit. I mean, I think there's just between two extremes here, right? I mean, I do think there's, let's call it a continuity of government or a continuity of organization within these groups. Um, I don't think it's purely transient. I mean, you have kind of, I don't know if you guys have ever been part of a group where you have bylaws and then you have goals and that governing document drives the, the organization's actions. And so it almost doesn't matter who the members are at any given time. But there's a, a governing document. And, and I do think we have names for some of these groups, like the roundtable groups uh, in the late 19th and early 20th century, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation. I just sent that over. I mean, I, you know, you've got technocrats that are like 100 years old that have been uh, in these hall, halls of power for decades and decades. You've got the groups like Skull and Bones. I mean, so I, I'm with you that there's total chaos here. But I do think that there and I'm with you that there also is kind of a 
this is more about an energy that people can kind of put on for a moment of time. But I also, I just do think there might be, you know, organization is a part of this too. I, I think it's, and I think there's evidence that bears that out. I mean, it's not like a, a intangible theory of them or Illuminati. I mean, we have records, we have documents, we have uh, roles of member membership roles for some of these groups. You know, the Global Supercraft is a great book. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's worth just saying that. No, I certainly agree with that. I, I, what I'm mostly getting at with with my little spiel that I did is, is that if it was as extreme as uh, a totally non-transient group, if it was just, you know, the conspiracy theorists sweat dream of these 13 families and, and just their, their round table groups and that's it and the end of it, then it would be so much easier to, to go the Benjamin Fulford route and round them up and, and, and send them to prison and whatever it would be. But actually, like you said, it's, it's somewhere more in the middle where it's transient. It is these groups, but, it's not quite as black and white as, as it's the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. Cause if it was, it would just, it would just be easier to put an end to all this. It, it's like you said, it, those groups do exist. There are documents. There is a history of it. It's just that, uh, it, it seems like, it seems like there's always a new line of people that are ready to, to take up our, to take up the helm and, and, and follow those doctrines. And, um, that's the reason like we can't put an end to this because it's not just a few evil families and a few evil people. It's like, it's a chair and everybody in the world would love to be in that chair. And they, and, and when they get there, they behave just like the last person that was in it. And, uh, well, yeah. Um, Game of Thrones, yeah. You, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the super class of that book, right? And, and that, that's basically, um, an extension, like admittedly by the author of, uh, of the power elite, this book that came out in the fifties by C. Wright Mills, right? And he's talking about the uh, the power elite of the United States, and the super class is sort of an expansion of that to the uh, to the global situation, right? But it, it's interesting if you read the power elite and C. Wright Mills, he's directly talking about conspiracy, right? It's like how much how much is it a conspiracy of this power elite super class? in the United States to maintain and expand their power. And his, uh, so he's a sociologist, so he's, he's studying these groups, right? And he, he said it's, it's more of a case of they see each other all the time. You know, this, it's the, uh, once you get to that level, you know, this 0.01% uh, of the, the population or whatever, it's a very, very small group of people and they all know each other, all coordinated. They go to the same, their, their kids go to the same elite schools together. They're in the same uh, social clubs together. Um, and so his conclusion is they don't really need to conspire, actively conspire. They just work together as a, as an entity, you know, like they, they protect each other's interests, but also they compete with each other. Um, so the the conspiracy, if you want to call it, is 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 a more sort of a natural conspiracy that happens, um, and you do have these groups, you know, that meet and make plans, and it's it's obvious, you know, um, how much of that is effective, you know. It's like even this event two hundred one, like if you if you watch their videos of that conference. They're talking about all these things that should be in place that we should have planned and and be in place to to 
in terms of like supplies and medicine and everything else. And then you look at the situation that's happening now and, and none of those things that they advocated in that video are actually in place. Like it's very, it, it seems very different than that simulation, you know? Yeah. Um, like the, the fact that that okay, simulation Joe's, exists Joe's is terrifying. Joe's heading out here. I just want to make sure everyone is aware. He's specific in the comments here. Joe, it's been so good to hear your voice. Please, please pull your face out of your cell phone for a little bit and make a cool video. I want to see it. Will do. Thanks, guys. It's been so I much mean, fun. I, so much I'm fun in the same situation. I'm trying, trying to do it too. So I, I say that as a sympathy, but <laughs> I feel you, man. So, hey, guys, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, and I really enjoyed talking with you and listening to you. And yeah, it was great to connect with everybody. So be good. Thanks, thanks, Joe. See you. Thanks, Joe. Take care. Take care, buddy. Hey, Wally, are you still here? Hey, you guys yeah. know that Shakespeare wrote Lear in, in quarantine, right? So, Wow. You guys yeah. could... Uh... <laughs> he, didn't have, he didn't have a smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> I think of what he could have done if he did, man. <laughs> or, or he wouldn't have done. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. I'm starting to fade. I'm probably going to jump off the call pretty soon myself, but I'm, I'm still... How still... late is it? It's like eleven twenty, so. But I, I I was up super late last night, so I'm just a little sleep deprived. But I'm good. I'm listening. Oh, Wally, we're finally opposites. Yeah, I'm all I'm all jacked up on caffeine, and you're about to go to sleep. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. Yeah, usually it's yeah. the other way around when we talk. <laughs> oh yeah, Zenora, what time is it there? For now, it's like eight twenty in the morning. Eight thirty. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I'm just curious, I threw out this idea earlier, and I, I mean this with zero pressure, but just want to say, uh, I, so I talked a little bit about, hey, I had this experience at the beginning of the week, I was really full of anxiety, I first had this like major financial situation happen on Sunday, and then like Monday or whatever, it was uh, the blackout, and um, all these sorts of things that I felt and I've been working on myself of just getting through that, that headspace. Um, it's just really forced me to kind of confront a lot of like my own, like, you know, things that I, anxieties that I've put aside from when I was more into conspiracy shit or, you know, just like when there was life and death situations, all the, all the, all the things you put aside. Um, I ended up talking to uh, David the other night cause it was like, Four in the morning, I couldn't sleep. I was really, like, not feeling good, and he was online, and I spoke to him, and it really helped. Uh, and actually, we, we made a point to, like, try and not talk too much about coronavirus. Um, <laughs> but uh, it still came up, obviously, but to say um, it was really good for me to talk to him. This is something I've been looking forward to is talking to all you guys today. And um, I have to imagine over the, uh, however the next few weeks and months progress, uh, we're going to be feeling more of this, not not so much less. I mean, I, I guess there is the potential, certainly the potential for Zenora, if you say, uh, maybe, you, you know, they reopen the schools and Guillaume said that they were talking about lifting the, the ban next week. And maybe, 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 obviously, I think these things probably go on a little bit longer. But to say um, 
from a selfish standpoint, I'd love to keep talking to you guys more, more talk to you guys more regularly, not necessarily tonight. But uh, from a selfish standpoint, I'd really like that. And I, if anyone else would also um, get some get something out of having that connection, I just sort of want to reiterate. I don't think uh, SJ, I don't think you were here before, but I want to reiterate. There's an invitation that we can try and make this a thing. If if that's yeah. any something anything anybody would like. Yeah, absolutely. Something weekly or biweekly would be really great. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. If I, you know, if we provide the time is is, uh, and I've got a lot of time now, so I'm certainly down. I, I yeah, I miss you guys. I, Alan, I was thinking about you recently because I remember um, Easter 2016, or no, was it 2017? Whenever I think it was 16. 16, okay. I'm, I'm, my date is a little off. I could have looked it up. But, I mean, we were holding hands there. And I remember Jen was on one of my hands and you were on one of my hands when we, when we went through that maze. And, um, you know, anyhow, I just thought about that picture recently in that moment. It was kind of a really powerful moment for me um, in my life. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was amazing. Yeah. I just I sent uh, – it's funny because I was just thinking about – you guys were talking about the, like, the names of the conspirators. And I thought of this song – it doesn't matter, but like, yeah, like, okay, when did I see Joe? When did I see you? When, like, you know, the fact that um, I've never, never gotten to meet Guillaume, and that's, uh, you know, maybe of all the things we take for granted, maybe that'll be, uh, like, I, I so wish that I had gone and seen Zanor and Wally and Mark and everyone in uh, England this year, and these are, th- obviously, you can't undo actions. But I think if going forward, we're trying to figure out what do you want to do differently? How do you take advantage of freedoms when you have them and health when you have it? Um, definitely seeing you guys is uh, very high on my priorities of things I'd want to take more advantage of. Yeah. Do you, um, do you guys ever get this feeling that... Uh, you're the one who caused this whole thing. Like, if you had done something different in your own timeline, that it would. I was explaining that to my partner the other night. Should have been easy. I've been thinking about yeah. that. Um. <laughs> There's got to be like a sync word for that, because like, yeah. I, Alan and I talked about this. It's not solip- solipsism so much as it's it's like it's more. It's um. Solipsistic self-importance or something, or I don't know. <laughs> um. Well, okay, so Kilgore Trot had a book where the <laughs> it was explaining to the person reading it that they're the only person in the world, and so whatever they think or do, or it's the only thing that matters, and that it was Breakfast of Champions, and so the car dealer uh, he acts on that information. You know, the car deal goes crazy. His wiring goes bad, as they say. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, there's something to it, though, of like, all right, when we go back to the, if we take this back to a sort of 2012 new age, um, you know, you manifest your reality type thing. Um, all right, can I can I tell you guys something that would take me, like, a few minutes to explain. Can I tell you of a synchronicity, a horrible synchronicity I had the other day? Sure. Um, okay, so um, my my mom uh, just got a new phone because she uh, 
you know, like, oh, shit, shit's happening, and her phone's not working, and all this sort of stuff, and, okay, so we got her new phone. And she tries to, like, send me pictures or something. And she sends me some, what's basically like a meme, and it's a picture of a bunny rabbit sitting on top of a handgun in this very specific pose, as if, like, the little bunny rabbit was holding the gun. And... No one knows about this, um, but 10 years ago, I drew a picture. No, probably fucking 12 years ago. So I drew a picture that was exactly this. It was this rabbit sitting on top of this gun in the exact same pose, the exact same angle of the shot and everything. And the the picture I drew was me drawing all my – basically, it was like me – dealing with my depression at the time and my paranoia and all the sort of negative emotions I could possibly feel were all encapsulated in this character that I made and this drawing that I did. And I did this drawing and then I suddenly got this idea for turning into a story and the story was called, uh, this is a whole other tangent, but the story was going to be called 77 Bullets. Um, and then the, at that time, the number 77 didn't mean anything to me. Now it has become like a central part of my sort of sync research. Uh, so I always have that sort of lens with it of like, what was it about that symbol that I associated with 77? Uh, I ended up making that character one of the main characters in the book at all the happy creatures book, which I don't try not to think about because that was a very dark time in my life and not very good artwork that came out of it. <laughs> but, um, I would have, like, this week, I was, uh, once the quarantine started, I was like, oh, I'm going to write my next episode of this video. So I went back and looking through some old files of what was I, when I was writing about 2012. And I found some of the old artwork I did for Look at All the Happy Creatures. And I'm looking at this blue rabbit and all this sort of stuff. And, I mean, this, in the book... It's what we've come to this point where the, it feels like the world is ending and it's sort of associated with this psychedelic experience of the self where, uh, you know, like, like Richard Alpert's like, hey, your ego death feels like the world is ending because you are you are experiencing that. Right. Zanor, mm-hmm. uh, when we talked to me, while we talked a month or so ago, we were joking around how everyone is primed for the apocalypse was this phrase we used. Um, so feeling all this sort of culmination of things and what are we getting a photograph of this thing that no one really knows about except for me that has this really specific meaning for me. She thought she was sending me like a cute like, oh, you like rabbits because I have a rabbit now. So like, here's a picture of a rabbit, haha. You know, and I'm like, it fucking made me want to vomit i looked at this picture and i'm like oh my god like this is literally what i'm experiencing right now i'm dealing uh with a mental anxiety that i haven't felt to this level in years but part of it is coupled with this idea of like it feels like i have a responsibility to deal with that mental strife not just for myself but that it is intimately tied to when we say what is the virus is the virus fear and all these sorts of analogies we can make it feels like me processing that 
the darkest emotions I could possibly think of being confronted with them in this moment, both literally and from a synchronicity standpoint, all these sorts of things feels like that's my responsibility is to turn this that if I if I go too paranoid that I'm making this darker <laughs> and if I can if I can get my shit together I can make this better there feels like there it's not so much a solipsistic like oh this is all me I'm creating this but like that I have my mental state does have a reverberation or an impact or plays a part in this bigger picture and that we're all responsible for dealing with that in our own ways for this bigger picture. Uh, does that make, does that make sense? Yeah, it's not solipsistic. You're just, it's your duty to contribute. Sure. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah you're, you're still, you're still feeling that, uh, like it's heavier than that. You know, it's, it's heavier definitely than... heavier than yeah. Just, just that's the only reason I hesitated. Like Wally, yes, but is that like th- this? Like the picture it's... that I received has these very specific meaning for me, which is sure. which is all that. Right. And and like, hey, if you basically the the story is like, if you let the fear take over you, then there's a very bad outcome for everybody. And if you can work through it yourself, then maybe it's a better outcome for everybody. Yeah, I don't, and, absolutely. And it's, a, if, absolutely. it's a really, that's probably a part of my neuroses is feeling responsible for everyone else's fucking, you know, well being. Uh, but I can't help but feel some sense of that to, to, you know, your initial question of like, do you feel that? Um, yeah. I, um, I asked that because I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, I, on, on one, obviously, on one level, from a, like a rational level, it's like, no, I'm not responsible at all for this. Obviously, you know. But but on the other side, from a kind of symbolic level, or this idea, especially from all the sync research that we've done, that the the world does resemble a dream. You know, um, I I think about this trip to London that I made. Um, this last one where we met Wally and and Mark and uh, other people, and we went to the uh, the William Blake exhibit, which is a big thing. And and I had the feeling at that time that this William Blake exhibit in in London, and this is something Mark Golding was thinking of as well, is that it, this represented something big that was in the air. You know, like all this stuff that was in the air, and like we talked before about all these big protests and stuff that were happening. And so we went to this exhibit, and it was amazing. We spent hours in there while he was there. Um, yep. And then uh, afterwards, uh, the day or so afterwards, I had uh, the opportunity to drop acid with my friend Luke, this poet dude in London, at the uh, at his house, which is right at the Prime Meridian. Like he he lives in a little flat, right right at the uh, at the Prime Meridian, and I had written right right from the start of my blog, like talking about the uh, the the London 2012 Olympics and and the significance of it being very close to the Prime Meridian and all of this, and and so I had the chance to do this with him at the Prime Meridian on my birthday, you know, and then and I was like, ah, maybe I shouldn't. I'm going to fly out the next day. I'm going to fly back to Japan, so maybe I shouldn't do it. <laughs> and so we we didn't do it, and it was kind of a 
it was kind of a letdown at the end of afterwards i was like oh fuck why didn't i do that you know we could have had a would have been a, a great experience just to connect with him but later when this this thing hit you know it's like <laughs> maybe that's that's what uh i i fucked up the timeline you know it's like i uh if i had done that and it had been a positive experience then then none of this would have happened <laughs> you know? yeah. um, so from of course, that makes no sense, you know, on one level. But uh, on another level, you know, when you're looking at it in terms of uh, your own unconscious and facing your own shadow, and then the collective unconscious, uh, the collective consciousness facing its own shadow, then something like that does make sense in a way. Um, yeah. I, I just like, want to jump. Go ahead, sorry, go ahead, Snor. No, no, please go ahead. Okay, thank you. I just want to jump here because, like, I'm thinking there was a call we had with David, Doug, you were on the call, I think, me and Dennis last year. And I believe, I think you guys were on it, but, but David was mentioning that it's the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino that was released, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was the ninth Star Wars that was released. And he said he had a premonition of uh, this being a really big moment, right? This, these number nines aligning, and and um, and and so I think that I guess what I'm why I'm bringing that up is that I definitely feel this like collective force that's almost, um, you know, uh, it's just it's, it's just this inevitable, unstoppable force that's happening on a collective level. I think that's undeniable. And just to also throw in here. Because we're talking about like the nature of reality now. What is real? How do we how do we operate in this reality? And so something that is happening that people have been talking about for a long time. Astrologers have been talking about for a long time is this alignment between Saturn and Jupiter, and that is something that you can go outside and see, you know, and that's kind of tangible, something you can hold on to, and something that I think everybody is seeing at the same time. Um, and you know, people have been saying for a long, long time that this is the year. 2020 is the year where there's an explosive change that's that's going to happen on a collective level. And so I just I throw that in this to this mix because when I it, there's a bit of relief. It's like shit. Yeah, I look at my life and like that little prayer ritual that I did at that time. Did I do something or, you know, that little magical act? Did I did I go the wrong way? But I think there, and there's certainly choices I've made that put me where I'm sitting in Batumi, Georgia, you know, uh, and I can't speak the language and I'm eating this, these Georgian pickles and stuff. I mean, so I've made choices <laughs> in my timeline, but at the same time, there's this collective overpowering thing that's also happening and it's undeniable. I mean, we can, unless, and this gets to like Mandela effect stuff, like, is that even real? Like maybe I'll wake up tomorrow and Saturn and Jupiter are going to be in different parts of the sky. You know? <laughs> And until that happens, and I'm like, whoa, what just, you know, I haven't had a Mandela effect moment like that in my own life where it's clearly that the time keeping mechanism, which is the planets, like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it, until that gets dis, disjointed in a way that's like, oh my God, now there's only five days of the week? What? You know, um, I think I'm feeling like it's, uh, I don't know, I still feel pretty grounded, I guess, with, with all of this. And just in the sense that it's inevitable, there's a divine hand in it, hopefully. And we can all kind of just hang on and trust trust the storm is coming. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you know, trust that there's a bigger thing here happening. Yeah, I just saw somebody posted a message that Nelson Mandela just died of coronavirus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. Is, is it a, is it like a joke article or? A... 
it's just a, it's, it's a it's a it's a meta joke you know it's like yeah. uh, <laughs> like, like uh, but it uh, yeah yeah that kind of stuff you know like it, in and it's I think that's what McKenna is talking about, right? Like from ages ago, is that there'd be a, a con- entire breakdown of what we can even recognize as being real, you know? Um, and and we would get to this point where we were unsure of the clear boundary between our own our own apprehension of reality and and and, and this collective. Um, Didn't Joe? Sorry, didn't Joe Alexander say at the beginning of the call he was talking about his cell phone? And he says uh, he's constant, like you're everything you see. You're already bored, and what is that? That's the end of novelty, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, or novelty addiction. Yeah. Sure. 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 Cheaper and cheaper highs. Looks like uh, Wally's signing off here. Yeah. Wally, I'm so glad I, I got to hear your voice now. Yeah, likewise. It's been really great to connect with all you guys. Some of you I haven't spoken to in ages, like SJ and Doug. It's great to hear you guys. I remember our airport meal. While oh, we I do finally. too, man. Absolutely. That was, an, that was a great time. But yeah, Alan, I definitely um, second the notion of making this a more regular thing. I'm definitely up for that. So please keep me in the loop. All right, cool. Will do. Absolutely. All right. I hope to talk to you guys again soon. It's been great. Yes, you, Oli. Stay safe, everybody. All right.